Principal Matters Podcast, episode 320. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about tips for seeking a new education position, part two, with my co-host, Jen Schwanke, the deputy superintendent from Dublin Schools and the author of three great books and a coming keynote speaker to Oklahoma, <laughs> February 8th and 9th. I'm just going to talk about it, Jen. Till it, this is, you're going to get so tired of me talking about this between now and February, but, but Principal Matters listeners, if you want to come to Oklahoma, you're welcome of course, Oklahoma folks are, are signing up already, but February 8th and 9th in Edmond, Oklahoma, Jen Schwanke is coming along with Dr. Don Parker to just bring some great learning for secondary and middle level educators. And you can find that information at, at COSA's website, which is ccosa.org, and just look for professional learning and find the leadership and learning conference. But Jen, welcome back. You know, last time we were together, we were talking um, about 10 tips and we got through five of them. So, right. And, and we left our listeners with what might be the most obnoxious teaser ever. We started to talk about number five and then we stopped really quickly. So, oh, I guess we only got through four of them. So we're going to have right? to try to get through six. We may yes. have to do a third episode on this if I we don't know. get far enough, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how far we get. All right. So if you, if you did not listen to the last episode, go back to 319 and you can catch up on the first four things that we talked about. But Jen, if I'm considering looking for a new position, um, obviously I want to do things like update my resume and talk to my leadership if it's appropriate for good timing. I want to connect with my network. I want to research my prospects. But you started, you, you've already started going into this. Right. I also want to demonstrate my excellence in the job that I have. So let's right. talk about that for a few minutes. Right. I, I had shared that I often think about the phrase go or excuse me, bloom where you're planted. And so whatever work you're doing right now, it's an opportunity to demonstrate how good you are at that work and to show you are a learner, to show that you do like to grow and change. And so whatever work you're doing, if you find yourself stagnant or bored or really not challenged, I believe that's a choice. And I believe you can add things to your own plate to show what you can take on. Um, or if you're one of those principals, you say, I'm not bored at all. I'm drowning every day. I don't know how I'm going to get all this done. I think that's a chance to demonstrate your excellence in delegation in efficiency, in working smarter, not harder. So that, you know, wherever you are, whether you're in the classroom or whether you're currently a principal and assistant principal, whatever, just think of how you can really stand out to show th those who might hire you someday, how excellent you really are and how you are able to flex and grow. And, and let me be really frank, Jen, because, um, the last thing that you want to communicate in any in interview or conversation that you're having with someone about promotion is that you're looking for advancement to get away from something. Right. Right. Um, because here's the thing. Most people in organizations that are looking at prospective hires, they're not looking for someone who's trying to escape something or that is, that feels like they no longer love what they do. They're looking for someone who has done such great work that they're ready to advance into something that they will find even more impacting. And so, and I know that that could even seem manipulative because there are some people that are in really toxic situations 
and a transition and move for them is a healthy thing that they need to to step out of and into something better. That, that's just real life. But what you but you don't need to ever communicate to the people you're serving presently or to the people that you plan to serve in another setting that your work presently isn't meaningful because if you're if because because folks need to see you doing excellent work now so that they trust that the work that you're going to do will be excellent. And let me tell a quick story about that. I was in an interview. This was probably three years ago, but I've never forgotten it. I was interviewing someone who was talking about her work and she did excellent work without a doubt. It was a position that was um, not, it was more of a communication technology role. And she shared all the ways that she really produced excellent work, but she also talked about her current work environment. It was three years later that I found out how toxic that environment had been. But in the interview, part of how she demonstrated her excellence was the classy, gracious, kind and professional way she talked about her current work environment. Never did I think she was eager to leave it. I saw what an incredible human being she was by her refusal to be negative about it and instead focus on the things that she had done for that organization to make it great. Right. And that's not to say every single one of us in any roles we've ever played does there's parts of the work that we do that are not fun or that are hard or that we would be glad to no longer have to have that responsibility. That's just real life. That's what, that's why it's called work. You know, it's because someone has to take on that responsibility and there's always pieces of that work that, that are, that are not fun. But, um, but but the question is, where's your focus? And so I want to speak directly to, um, to, to, to administrators that are looking at a promotion from their current position and let me talk directly to assistant principals for a moment too, Jen, because that's where I played my role so long before I was a principal. You know, <clears throat> ask yourself this question, and, and you can apply this to any role that you that you play out there, principal managers, listeners. But let's say you're an AP. How can you continue being a great assistant principal while you're looking for that other thing? So hit your goals that you set for yourself for managing student behavior or um, ask for opportunities that would give you responsibilities and instructional leadership that you hope to have someday, but maybe you could be practicing right now, but maybe you have to ask for them in order to get them or be involved in some of the civic and community organizations that you probably would be doing in that next role, because a lot of principals have to connect with their community organizations to, to represent their schools. So in doing so you're, you're modeling the begin to model now the kind of leadership that you hope to have someday, not by getting out of your lane, but by just demonstrating excellence in the things that you're doing right now and your willingness to take on more responsibility um, so that when an, an opportunity does happen, you've already flexed some of those muscles to show that you might be that right person for that right opportunity. And I, I'm glad that you talked about to, directly to assistant principals because many of our listeners have been either in that position or maybe will someday soon be in that position. And I love assistant principals who embrace their work. They're not necessarily looking, looking to the next step because that implies that they're enduring a job in order to get to a different job. Mm-hmm. And to endure work is not what we want to do. We want to master it. And so the suggestions you made, you know, find something to really master and find something to take on. Part of that too might be saying to your principal, Hey, let me, let me lead this start to finish. I've got it. Mm 
I might come to you for insight or perspective, but I really want to see how I do with this Mm -hmm. and encourage your leader to let you take on those roles. So they don't even have to think about it. That's how you can really demonstrate your excellence right there in the job you currently have. I love it. So if you did not listen to 319, you missed us talking about updating your resume, talking to your leadership at the appropriate time, connecting with your network and researching your prospects. But um, but number five, which we just covered, is demonstrate your excellence. And number six, Jen, I, I know there's a lot of different ways this can happen, but I would suggest um, think about making some introductions. And that might mean a phone call. It might mean an email. It might mean asking someone to coffee. But leaders are people just like you. And sometimes you may have an interest in something that's that's a possibility out there, but you may be hesitant to introduce yourself. Um, I can tell you from my experience as a principal, if I had, sometimes I would occasionally have a, a, a teacher reach out before there was even an opening and just right. say, and just say, hey, um, Mr. Parker, I just wanted to let you know who I am. Here's a copy of my resume. If there's ever an opportunity, I'd love to have a conversation usually I remembered that person, you know, like, so when something happened, I'm like, you remember that person who, who shared that with me? Or maybe I didn't have an ad assistant principal role opening at that time, but I had someone reach out that was like, if you have an opening, I just wanted to let you know who I am or feel free to pass this along to friends. And most of the time I would hold on to that. Or I might look at their resume and go, man, this person look at talented. I, I will share this with my friends. So think about that. Um, how, how introducing yourself to others, um, could be a, an important part of just making sure that that others are aware that you're looking. Right. And if you if you line up 100 principals and ask them how they feel about candidates reaching out to them, you'll get 100 different answers, right? So there's not a magic formula. Right. Some people say, don't call me, don't, don't stop by, um, don't even email me, go through HR. But I will tell you, some of the best hires I've made were those who did make an outreach. Mm-hmm. I hired um, the best, maybe the best hire I've, I ever made as a principal was a gifted teacher who had moved to the area and she stopped into, into schools and dropped her resume. And again, some principals would say I'm too busy, but she didn't ask to speak to me. She mm-hmm. got in with my secretary. That's what she did. Mm-hmm. And the secretary came to me and said, the most lovely person stopped by. Her name is Carrie. She's moving from Kentucky. She has the sweetest little accent and look at what she said. I know your kids are moving. She me the whole story. And I thought, well, that's a smart way to do it. Now I'm not saying that, that to get a job, you stop in and, and love up on the secretary. I'm just saying that you somehow might want to think about how to get, get your name out there and get people to know that you are looking and that you do have a skill set they might need. Well, and here's the thing, especially because we're talking to people that want that most of our listeners are leaders or aspiring leaders. And so if you're thinking about an education transition of any right. kind at all, it's going to be in this, in a, in a position or a role that requires responsive, lots of responsibility for leadership. And of course that, that counts within the classroom too, but in school leadership positions, often you are the person communicating on behalf of your school. Um, and so let me tell you what not to do. <laughs> do do not write a long rambling email and send it to someone who does not have time to read it. Right. Do not, because this has happened to me, get a, get on a voicemail and just ramble on and on and on about your life story or things that you're that you're interested in, because someone is just going to simply stop at some point and delete that from their voicemail. So if you choose to reach out to someone, because it does take courage to cold call or to reach out to people you haven't made, rehearse it ahead of time, keep it concise make your communication short and professional and proof it 
you know, so that, so if you're going to send an email, man, it is to the point in professional. If you're going to make a phone call, you've had that rehearsed before you've even said it so that it comes across as something that's meaningful and impressive and impressive. So, you know, in, in, in that story that you told Jen Carrie's her secret weapon was her person, her showing up personally. Yeah. And being able to sell that. So every one of us has a different place where we have strength and that might be that face-to-face. It might be that email. It might be that voicemail. And you mentioned this last episode, golly, today we have ways that people can find us beyond our resumes. They can go online and and check out one of our, um, uh, one of our lessons. If you're a teacher, you might have a lesson that you have, or maybe a presentation you've given or your LinkedIn page or whatever it is. There's a lot of ways that you can introduce people to you beyond uh, just a face-to-face or an email or a phone call. And you said edit. Well, let's let's um, go ahead and rip the tarp off of one of the biggest mistakes is when someone sends a bunch of emails and they don't change the greeting or the school. <laughs> if I had a dime for how many times I've, you know, hello, Mr. Miller, I'm so interested in working at South High School and I'm not Mr. Miller and I don't work at South High School. So make sure that you edit those, especially if you're sending a hundred of them, make sure that they're- the Yes, person. <laughs> please, please on those introduction levels, right. those introduction <laughs> cover pages, change the date and right. the school name, please. <laughs> on those. All right. So number seven, this is just a no brainer. Right. Um, if you're, if you're really looking, subscribe to some updates and, and, you know, some state and national associations, Jen have websites where you can subscribe for job openings. I know in my state of uh, our state school boards association has a really great um, link uh, where people can do that. But there's so many things like LinkedIn has a career search um, link there, indeed.com, ZipRecruiter. And I know there's others where you can subscribe and just enter the keywords of things you're looking for and you can start getting some ideas of what's out there. So right. I don't know if, if there's anything you want to add to that. That one's a pretty simple, simple tip. My only add is is to say you, you look at those not because you're looking for a certain job, but to learn how wide the world is in terms of employment. It's just, if anything, it's inspiring. To, to see what else is out there. But that's all I have to add. And the next one we actually referenced in 319, but let's talk about it again. We did. This is a practical tip and that is create a backward timeline. And Jen, I've done this in so many other settings where, you know, sometimes the hardest part about transitioning is all of the unknowns. And it can be really helpful and really practical to take a look at if I could pick the date way out there when that transition would happen. And for school people, we always work on school calendars, you know, so if I could make that date, this date, you know, the beginning of next school year, or maybe you're thinking two years down the road, if you could mark that date and then create a backwards timeline and back up, what are the steps that would have to be taken at the end, in the middle and the beginning? And then you will have a really clear idea of when you should be posting resumes, when you should be making phone calls, when you should be having interviews, when you should be letting your school board know that you might be positioning someplace else. And so I just think a backwards timeline can help get all those thoughts out of your head and help you create a calendar outlining each of those benchmarks, including the present responsibilities that you're managing on that timeline and where you might see conflicts um, and where you might see due dates so that you have a really clear map of where you might be going. Right. And loose dates, very loose mm-hmm. dates. You know, you don't, if, if you mean to send out your resume on March 1st and you haven't found any good places to send it by March 1st, then, then aim for March 15th, aim mm-hmm. for March 30th. It's not, you know, don't feel like you failed if your timeline needs to be adjusted along the way. 
All right. This is number nine. Adapt an Odyssey plan. And I want to I want to park here for just a few minutes because a few years ago I, I read this in a book and I it was not original to the author. So I started doing a little research to find out where he learned about Odyssey plan frameworks. And I came across a book called Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived, Joyful Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. And I did not read their book, I but I have watched Bill Burnett present on this idea. He's a Stanford University professor who's done lots of work on helping people map careers. And his suggestion is that you think about most of us think about one trajectory. This is what I'm doing now. And therefore it would mean I'm going to do this thing next. Like you said this in the first episode, if you're an assistant principal, you always think, well, maybe I should be a principal. Or if you're a teacher, maybe I should go into admin. That, well, that, that may be one path, but they suggest that you create three, that when you're thinking about p- potential transitions that you create for yourself, three potential pathways, plan A should be a pathway towards a desired goal based on staying in the place that you're currently serving, but but making it better. So transitioning up from plan A to something better within that trajectory. Plan B is making a pathway toward a desired goal, but it would require a major move or a change of position or maybe a different place. So this is a little more risk because you're you're going outside of your current police to find that next thing. And then plan C, and this is the one I love because you know my personality, right. <laughs> your dream pathway where you would ultimately like to see yourself if failure wasn't an option. Now, here's the power of doing this. And Jen, I actually started doing this before I ever read about the Odyssey plan. When I read about this, I realized it confirmed some of my plans. If you could see the walls of my office um, a couple of years ago, I don't have these up right now. I put um, on the walls of my these huge post-it papers, and I started with plan A. If this is the timeline of where I'm at and where I would like to be in the next five years. Plan B is where I'm at, where I'd like to be, but it might require some risk. And then plan C is like... It, you know, no fear. This would be my dream, like career uh, opportunities. And what I began to see as I developed those timelines and Odyssey plans is you begin to see some similarities between them and some differences, but you also begin to see some possibilities. And you also begin to see some some dangers that you didn't anticipate too in, in timelining and planning too. So that's a very quick summary. If you, it, I will include a, a link to um, doing an Odyssey plan, the Stanford Life Design Labs um, video by Bill Burnett that I referenced earlier in the show notes. But, but designing an Odyssey plan, giving yourself more than one option, I think can be a really healthy way of considering things that maybe you haven't considered before. I love it. I love the dream part too. We should all be able to dream. Yes. All right. Last but not least, number 10, no matter what you're doing, celebrate success along the ways. Um, I think that sometimes we fail, and this is me too, I'm preaching to myself, we fail to recognize and celebrate milestones. And, and, and I think that's so important. Go, go there, Jen. Well, I was going to say, look, you've brought us full circle because in episode 319, we talked about updating your resume just to give yourself a pat on the back and realize all the things you've done. And that's really what you, you should do. I was struck by the thought a couple of weeks ago, Will. I just thought, how lucky am I? It, it was a great week. Um, of course, there were challenges. Of course, there were angry people. Of course, there were things we had to work through. But there's so much success in the work we do. And 
even when things are really hard, we can stop and say, okay, but wait, what's gone well? What is it we need to celebrate? And what have I done well? What is it that I'm really grow? Where am I growing? Where do I have a special unique gift to give to this profession? Mm-hmm. Celebrate that both internally, but also importantly with the team that helped you do it. Um, I've thought before about some, you know, many times when there's something to celebrate, the first person I talk with is my administrative assistant or my assistant principal or whatever, someone who did that with me and make sure that I pay that celebration forward where, where credit belongs and then mark it down somewhere. So I remember Mm -hmm. if I am going to seek a new education position, that that mindset of celebration and gratitude is captured appropriately. Well, and there's, there's a, there are many other reasons to celebrate, but let me just add a couple there too, Jen. One is celebrating helps keep in mind that your present work is meaningful. Right. And that it's something that, um, that others can probably recognize the meaning in as well. So number two, I would say it helps you look for successes in those around you. And you said that too, so that you can recognize the meaning and the value of what they're doing. And so, um, you know, if, if you can't think of anything right now to celebrate, then maybe you need to reconsider whether you're doing meaningful work right. or maybe you're just not looking closely enough because I think all of us, uh, sometimes we can get so um, involved in our work that we forget to stop. And this is why I said celebrate success along the way. We forget to stop and recognize the milestones, the successes, the growth. And that's why I'm, you know, I know that I talk about this so much. I actually wrote a book about it. I'm pulling out the book. <laughs> you know, when I wrote the book, Messaging Matters, how school leaders can inspire teachers, motivate students and reach communities with Solution Tree. I wrote that book because I recognized that so many leaders are doing amazing things and their schools are doing amazing things that they, they're too busy to shine the light on or they think they are. But what they're doing is they're robbing themselves in their schools of the momentum and the branding and, and I'm going to use those words on purpose, the marketing, but, but really the meaning of why they're there. Right. And so I know those other words sound um, misplaced when you're talking about meaningfulness, but, but the more that other people recognize the great things happening in your school, the more they want to be there. Right. And so that's, so that's an important way to recruit teachers. And it's an important way to see your student population grow. It's an important way for parents to feel proud that their kids come to your school. And so celebrate those successes along the way. And as you do, it's contagious. It and is. all of those things build your opportunities for what you want to do next. And so Jen, as we wrap this up, I, I hope that's helpful. Uh, is anybody that's listening out there, if you're thinking about seeking a new education position, or maybe you're even just thinking about how do I re-enhance the one I'm in? Right. Um, all of these tips work um, because we need to make sure that we recognize the meaning in what we do and that we, um, that we shine a light on those meaningful outcomes so that everyone we're serving can be a part of that celebration too. Well, I'm really glad you mentioned your book um, because messaging what we do and what we do well, um, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough how, how powerful that is for your stakeholders, your community, your teachers, but also yourself. And this is a little obnoxious, but my second book, The Principal Reboot was about, you know, rebooting yourself and your work because whenever we get stale, whether it's in our messaging as your book covers or in the work we do as mine covers, then it's time to look inward, not Mm -hmm. critically, but just to say, okay, how can I shift this here? How can I make this sound better, look better and, and be 
like you said, the light shine on it a little bit, because that's part of our work, whether we like it or not, we shouldn't be doing this in isolation and we shouldn't hide the celebrations. Well, Jen, before we wrap up, I want to thank you for giving another session for this topic together, but tell Principal Matters listeners a little bit about what's going on with you. And, and because I know that um, in you're a very busy deputy superintendent, but I'm not going to be surprised if you're working on another book or finishing a degree or you're getting well, ready to, to, to go speak someplace. So what's been going on with Jen Schwanke? Well, I did. I have to say I turned in my dissertation two days ago. And so now it's out of my hands and somebody else is reading it and I'll defend it here in a few weeks. And that will be a nice, um, a, a nice weight to put down when that's over. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm excited to come to Oklahoma. I got to tell you that's coming up in February. And well, I, I think we mentioned it to our listeners. We had, we had to admit we have never met face to face. I think we've become dear friends uh-huh. and we have never shaken one another's hand. So that's going to be my February highlight. So Yay. looking forward to well- that. I can't wait. I'm not trying to jinx this, but I can't wait to call you doctor. It's coming. It's coming. I hope. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're going to have to change everything we put out on the podcast. We'll Uh be like Will Parker with his co-host, Dr. Jen Schwanke, but we'll we'll wait. (laughs) We will because I might need some time in the fetal position with a weighted blanket on my my body to recover. Well, Jen Schwanke, thank you for being a lifelong learner. Thank you for your leadership. And until next time, Principal Matters listeners, thanks for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.